Good morning, CBF. Hope um, we've had a good week. We've trusted the Lord of how he's led us this week. And it was a great time of just remembering the Lord every Sunday and hope that um, we as a church hope that everyone enjoyed this time of worship. And also those of us who are visiting us for the first time, you know, hope that you also had a blessed time. And now we would be looking into the word of God and would encourage us to have a, a prayerful heart, including myself, so that the word of God would speak to us would minister to us during these times. Today's message, um, we would be looking specifically into the life of King Hezekiah. We would be uh, looking into portions that is mentioned in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 to 32, 2 Kings 18 to 20, and Isaiah 36 to 39. Because these passages are big, we would not be reading all of these verses, but hope that even after the message, you can go and dig through the scriptures and understand of how the message would connect to what is written in scripture. For today's message, I would be taking um, the majority of the time just sharing from the work in the life of King Hezekiah. After that, the last five minutes after prayer, I would just be sharing a bit about the ministry that NLC is involved in, the Bible Translation Ministry, and how the church can continue to pray for that ministry. But coming right back into the message, as we prayerfully look into the word, um, I want us to think about the word setbacks. Difficulties, trials, tribulations, loss, pain, unanswered prayers, waiting on the Lord, all forms of setbacks. But can setbacks be a blessing? And I would turn this message today as the blessing of setbacks, just focusing on life lessons learned from the life of King Hezekiah. Now, there are many characters in the Bible that we all hold dearly to, dearly to uh, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets, Paul and his ministry, and even our own Lord Jesus Christ went through various setbacks in their life to fulfill and to accomplish the purposes that God had given to them. But today we would be looking at the life of King Hezekiah. Who is Hezekiah? Many of us would, who, you know, who, who enjoy reading scriptures, who love to study God's word, know Hezekiah. But there might be a few of us who might not know who Hezekiah is. And for the benefit of all of us, just a few reminders on who this king was and what, what were some of the things that, that he did. And later on, we would look into what are the, some of the setbacks that he endured. And we would look into what does God want us to learn? from these setbacks. Now, Hezekiah was a king of Judah. He reigned from 728 BC to 686 BC. He became a king at the age of 25, and for 29 years, he reigned Judah. In fact, even scripture says that he was one of the best kings of Judah. Hezekiah ruled the southern kingdom, that was Judah. At the same time, the northern kingdom, was ruled by King Hosea. During this time, the Assyrians had come in and especially had plundered the northern kingdom. You know, there were so many people, the kings, uh, people were started to be deported. So there was only a remnant that was left in the northern kingdom. It was a very painful state. A condition of Israel was very bad at that time. The last thing that was between the Assyrians and Israel as a nation was probably the northern kingdom. 
And Hezekiah was the last spot that could be over there that hinders Assyrians from taking over Israel as an entire nation. Hezekiah's father was Ahaz. He was a very ungodly man. His mother was Abijah, who was the daughter of Zechariah. Now, Hezekiah had success in many things that he did. He constructed storehouses for grain, new wine, and olive oil. He had, he had built stalls for his cattle, pens for his sheep, sheep and goats. He built you know, vast towns and acquired vast flocks and herds. God had, in fact, given him great wealth. He was, he was very wealthy, and apart from being wealthy, he was highly honored and respected in Judah and in Jerusalem. And even, in fact, even in the Northern Kingdom, his word had respect. And even if you go today to Israel, especially to, to Jerusalem, uh, one of the sites that the, uh, the guides would take you is to show the tunnel that Hezekiah had built during that time when the Assyrian army had come and he blocked the water out at Gihon and he channeled it through so that they would not get the water, but their city would survive. He was a man who prayed to God and God heard him. He wrote a beautiful psalm of thanksgiving and praise that is recorded in Isaiah 38. You know, in his life, he got an extension of 15 years, which we would come to later on. And he had experienced the miraculous hand of God. His guided what was pleasing in the eyes of God, just as his ancestor David had done. In fact, his life is reference to the Lord Jesus himself. Now, everything looks good, right, about his guy. It looks like he was a man that was set. You know, there was no difficulties. Things were happening well. But that's not entirely true. In spite of all of the things that I had listed about. Hezekiah was a man who had gone through setbacks in his life. And we hope, and I hope, that today's message would help us to learn of how Hezekiah responded to some of those setbacks. Some of them he responded well, some of them he did not respond to well. Now, we would go through setbacks. In the past many months, we know that many of our loved ones have gone through pain. Many of our loved ones have gone through loss. Many of our loved ones have gone through different unspoken difficulties in their life. And these are different kinds of setbacks that can affect our lives. In fact, it can even affect our view of God and even to believe that God is sovereign over our lives. Sometimes these setbacks are very difficult to absorb, brothers and sisters. You know, when we go through these setbacks, we sometimes feel that God is quiet to us. We term it as suffering. We term it as God being partial. We term it as God being insensitive to us and towards the people that we love. And we're not able to digest these setbacks. Some of us are able to maybe overcome these setbacks, but it might take time. It might be difficult during those journeys. So let this message be an encouragement to us that setbacks can have a blessing over our life, the blessing of setbacks. James 1, verses 2 and 4, I'll read it from my notes right here. From the NLT, I'm going to read, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. I'll repeat that. Consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, need, needing nothing. That's what James says in, in chapter 1. Now, coming, coming back into um, to the life of Hezekiah, we're going to look into some of the setbacks that Hezekiah had in his lifetime. Number one, he had a pagan upbringing. His father was Ahaz, as I shared before. 
And he followed the examples of the king of Israel. You know, he cast metal images for Baal. He sacrificed his own sons in the fire. You know, he led, he led Judah in a way to detestable pra- practices of pagan nations. He offered sacrifices. He burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. And that's what scripture records. In fact, Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple and the palace treasury and gave it as a tribute to the to the to the Assyrian king Tilgath Pileser. You know, there is a there is um, there is a note that um, that that um, Ahaz tells Tilgath Pileser. He says that you know I am your servant and your vessel. He will subject himself completely under this Assyrian king. You know, he when when um, King Ahaz went to Damascus, he he took a co- he took a copy of the altar in the Damascian temple, and he brings it into the temple in in Jerusalem, and he makes a copy of it, and that's where sacrifices continue to um, continue to be offered. Because of all of this, you know, uh, God allows King Ahaz to be defeated, and a large number of people were exiled from Judah into Damascus. Imagine this, dear brothers and sisters. This was such a time that Hezekiah was being brought up in. It would have been a very difficult childhood and even teen years for him to see of all that his father was involved in. There was no spiritual growth or hope there, yet yet this does not become a hindrance or a setback for Hezekiah. In 2 Kings 18 verses 3 to 7 says, He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Hezgiah trusted in the Lord, dear brothers and sisters. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything and carefully obeyed all the commands of the Lord given to Moses. And it says beautifully in 2 Kings that the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything that he did. In spite of his pagan upbringing, he chose, he chose that this setback will not hold me back from doing what is pleasing in the eyes of God, from trusting in God, by remaining faithful to God and carefully obeying all that God had asked me to do in his commands. And because of that, God gave him success God blessed him in spite of his difficult upbringing. Probably. The second setback um, that, that Hezekiah had was during the time was spiritual depletion. I think we, we remember when we study um, uh, when we study the Exodus journey of Israel, remember the serpent, the bronze serpent that was put up and all those who looked at the bronze serpent would be protected and would survive the serpent bites that happened. This bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. And what had happened during this time was because of the influence of Ahaz, people of Israel started to worship this and this became an object of worship and a scorn to God. This was a common practice that was happening at, the, at that particular time. There were pagan shrines, there were Asherah poles, there were sacred pillars. The temple was closed. The temple was kept at a storage of probably garbage and trash. And there were idols, which was an abomination to Jehovah. The temple was defiled. Idols were everywhere, dear brothers and sisters. And probably child sacrifice could have been continuing. 
the Assyrian forms of deities of worship would have been practiced by Israel and also in Judah. Imagine this. This was a spiritual condition of the nation of Israel, even in Judah, during the early times of Hezekiah. Now, we could think that you know, there is spiritual depletion happening. There is no hope. So what is the point of all of this? What is the point of following God? Is there a reason that, you know, that I should follow God and follow his commands during, during times such as this? But Hezekiah initiated revival during this point of time. During these times of setback, he initiated revival. How did he initiate revival? The first one, it says that, you know, when we, uh, when, we, when we study scripture, it says that these, during these times of setback, Hezekiah did not hold back. So he initiated, he initiated various things. And I just want to s- just explain the steps of revival that he initiated. One, he restored temple worship. Right in the first month of Hezekiah taking office, he opened the temple gates, which his father had closed. Once again, people had access to God. It took them 16 days to clean up the temple, to reach even the doors of the temple. And he called the priests and the Levites and ordered them to purify the defiant temple. He began repairs on the temple and he removed all the idols from the sanctuary. The temple was prepared for true worship. So once again, the people of Judah and Israel can call upon God, Yahweh. The second thing that he did is he restored worship. You know, one of the one of the relics or the 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 uh, the relics of um, of of uh, the history of Israel was was destroyed. The bronze serpent was destroyed, was demolished by um, by Hezekiah. He restored proper sacrifice and worship as prescribed by the Levitical law and as followed by David. In fact, he reinstitutes proper worship. He gets the Levites to come back, the musicians to come back and reinstate music into worship. He invites the Levites to recommit themselves to God and carefully, you know, spelled out their duties and their responsibilities. The priests, the Levites, everyone had responsibilities to make sure that the worship was almost accurate to what was instituted in the Levitical law. You know, he invites free will offerings from people. And in fact, it reaches to a point that the priests couldn't handle it and the Levites were called to help out. And he renews the covenant with the Lord and rededicates the temple, overturning years of abuse of the king. The third thing that he did is he restored the Passover, which is the most important of all, if you look as a nation of Israel. With, with activities at the temple back on track, Hezekiah turned to reunify Israel and invited Ephraim and Manasseh back into Jerusalem and to participate in this Passover. You know, he sends runners. People run from the, 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 the southern kingdom and they run into the northern kingdom and telling them, inviting them, you know, come back. Come to Jerusalem, you know, let us have a Passover together. Let us get our covenant back with God. Let us reestablish our relationship back with God, inviting participants to return and repent. In fact, it says that in scripture that many people laughed at him, scorned at him, mocked at him. But there were many people who also came down to Jerusalem. He broke traditions. You know, he postponed the Passover for a month. Instead of the first month, 14th day, he celebrates in the second month on the same day so that all could come and all the priests could be ready for the sacrifices. He also broke traditions where when some people from the northern, ter- uh, northern kingdom came down, they were impure. 
in probably in, in different ways. But Hezekiah prayed that the Lord would pardon all those who set their hearts to seek him. And I just want to read from 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 18 and 19. And this is what it says. For Hezekiah said, may the Lord who is good pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And God listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. You know, when the seven days of festivities were over, people opted for another seven days. In fact, there was there was great rejoicing in Israel. And it says that since the time of Solomon, son of King David of Israel, there's been nothing like this in Jerusalem. God heard their prayer. God accepted their sacrifices. God, in fact, blessed them and the priests blessed them. And what a rejoicing it was when the Passover was reinstituted and the covenant with God was reestablished. You know, the people were so filled with zeal after that. They went back and they cleansed those towns and they committed themselves to God. You know, Hezekiah undertook this setback as an opportunity for spiritual reformation. He restored the temple. He restored worship. He restored the Passover. He also attended the reunification of Israel. Whether there was a success or not, that is, that is something else. But he brought Israel and Judah back to a covenant relationship with God. You know, just reflecting on James 2, um, uh, you know, uh, I just want to read. So you see, faith by itself isn't good enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Faith is dead without good works. Hezekiah had the faith. But he chose to act upon his faith that in spite of spiritual depletion, he reinstituted, he brought back, he restored the temple, he restored worship, he restored the Passover, that his faith and his actions actually matched up. And as it is mentioned about Abraham in in, in James chapter 2, he says, you see his faith and actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. The third setback that Hezekiah went through was an Assyrian threat. And when we read in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 1, it says, After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out his work, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. After he had faithfully carried out what work? After reinstituting everything that God wanted him to do regarding the spiritual condition of Israel, he had an Assyrian attack. A setback after doing all that God desired for? This seems to be unfair. This seems to be uncalled for. Right? This seems to be so difficult even to accept for um, Hezekiah. Hezekiah's faith was tested by the invasion of the Assyrian army. Hezekiah offered a tribute to the king, which was not the right thing, but he did that. And in spite of the tribute, the Assyrian king Sennacherib kept knocking on on Judah's door, hopefully to bring down Jerusalem. The Assyrian king Sennacherib mocked the people in their own language. He mocked Hezekiah, he mocked the people, he mocked God, and he, he, he taunted the people saying that your God cannot save us. Your God cannot save you from an army just like us. Now, upon hearing the commander's words, Hezekiah turned to his friend Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah told him, God would deliver us. The commander kept on repeating his taunts, which are sent by Seneca. You know, archaeologically, if you look, you will, there is a prism called the Taylor Prism that is kept in the British Museum. It is called the Taylor Prism of King Seneca. In that, Seneca writes his siege of Jerusalem. And in that, he writes that, 
Um, he writes about the destruction of 46 cities of the state of Judah and the deportation of close to 200,000 people from there. And he writes about King Hezekiah and the prison, which is still preserved to this day. He says, King Hezekiah locked up like a bird in a cage in Jerusalem, his royal city. Brothers and sisters, imagine, imagine what Hezekiah would be going through. A setback of being humiliated and annihilated completely. Yet this, this not, yet this did not become a hindrance for Hezekiah. You know, Hezekiah encourages, when you read Second Chronicles, he says that he, he encourages the people. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles for us. And it says that Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged people. He took the matter to God. Him and Isaiah put it before the altar, open up those letters and pray to God. In fact, God answers them. You know, that night when Sennacherib thought that he had, he had won this battle psychologically, that night an angel went out from God and killed 185,000 people. There was a rumor that the Ethiopian king was attacking and Sennacherib goes back to Nineveh, and there in his own temple, he was killed by his own sons. He fell before his very own God. He taunted that the God of Israel and the God of Hezekiah could not protect him, but God did protect Hezekiah and him, his people. But Sennacherib fell before his very own God. Hezekiah undertook this setback as an opportunity to take this matter to God. When everything failed, he knew God would not fail him, brothers and sisters. Along with him, Isaiah and the people prayed to God and he, God heard their prayer. You know, faithfulness to God in, in prayer and supplication does not mean that, uh, that we will have a peaceful life all our life. Sometimes God could rock our, 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 you know, our, sometimes he can rock everything that we have anchored our hope in to test us out and to see what is in our heart. Sometimes he could even rock our self-righteous book. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, I'll read it out. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, brothers and sisters, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Now, we saw three different kinds of setback that Hezekiah went through. We're going to look for one more. The fourth setback was he had a home call. And then he made a treaty with a Babylonian envoy. You know, after Hezekiah had, had got delivered from the Assyrian army, um, he became ill. In fact, it was a boil that he had that looked as if it would take away his life. Second Chronicles 32 verse 24 says, About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah sent by God to tell Hezekiah to put your house in order for he would die. Imagine receiving such a news. You know, he's done great things for God. Um, he's brought the matter before God when the Assyrians came. He has not even lifted a shield or a sword and God has won the battle. And he's just enjoying that peace and that comfort. And he gets this news that put your home in order for you will die. 
I can imagine his guessing, Lord, how can you do this to me? I don't deserve this. I just need to just, just relax. I just need to, I just need to just enjoy of all that is being done. Yet through the setback, Hezekiah struggles to accept God's terms and subject himself to God's will. He was not ready for a glorious home call from God, dear brothers and sisters. He felt it is unfair to die at such an age. And and all and he, in fact, even in in second second Kings thirty verse three, you know, he recounts to God as to why he qualifies to not die. He says, "Remember, O Lord, for I've always been faithful to you. I've served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you." Then he broke down and he wept bitterly. He turns his face to the wall and weeps bitterly. His struggles are mentioned in Isaiah thirty-eight. Once again, Hezekiah goes to God, but God answers Hezekiah. We do not know whether God was thrilled in answering that, but God answers Hezekiah. And in fact, Isaiah goes back and tells him that you will live. Now, was this what well, he will live for another 15 years? Now, was this a true blessing? Or was this blessing of life given to him a setback in Hezekiah's life? And that is something that we need to think about. You know, once Hezekiah recovers from uh, from uh, from his 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 deathly illness, you know, um, he writes a he writes a psalm of thanksgiving that is um, seen in Isaiah chapter thirty-eight, nine to twenty. But right after he recovers, something happens to Hezekiah. He becomes proud. He gets flattered. The Babylonian and Babylonian envoy comes to Judah to see what. You know that this guy has stood against the Assyrian army and have have not without lifting anything. He he seems to defeat it. Now he seems to be wealthy. He needs you know maybe this is Hezekiah is the kind of ally that we need to have to bring down this Assyrian army. Maybe that's what the Babylonians thought. But Hezekiah was flattered. He welcomed the Babylonian ambassadors and proudly exhibited his treasures, his kingdom, and everything that was there in Judah was laid bare and open for the Babylonians to see. He was cautioned by Isaiah, and Isaiah prophecies against Hezekiah, but it was too late. You know, Isaiah prophecies and tells him that everything from here would be taken away by the Babylonians, including your sons, including your children, and there would be nothing. Brothers and sisters, these blessings became long-term setbacks for Hezekiah. And in physical and worldly terms, it seems that he was blessed in two ways. Hezekiah recovered from his sickness, but he also lived for another 15 years. A king who always approached God and took the matters to the Lord and pressed, stopped turning to God. And in the last 15 years of his life, probably that is the time that Manasseh was born. Manasseh was one, became one of the worst kings of Judah. In fact, one of the most evil kings of Judah, the most sinful of all. Hezekiah became proud and self-centered and was more concerned about his own life than the life of his own family, of his own sons, and also of Judah. He raised up his sons in such a godly manner. Maybe that could be the reason why God says, you know, put your home in order. Your sons are godly. They know and they love me. But Hezekiah wanted to live. He wanted to live. And he was okay to trade his sons to, be, to become eunuchs in Babylon. He made a treaty with Babylonian envoys without consulting with God and failed in God's promise of his life and his role over his king of Judah. 
my dear brothers and sisters, you know, we looked into the four different kinds of setbacks that Hezekiah went through. You know, what can we take away from here? What can we learn from the life of Hezekiah? You know, some of the ways that he looked at these setbacks seems to be good, but some of them were not so good. You know, we live in uncertain times, and we all know that. As a church, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been through it, and we're still going through it. We hear about loved ones, family members, friends, even our friends from different churches going through various setbacks during these past four months, starting from March. None of us expected that this year would be a year that would be so different from the years ahead. Maybe there are many of us in CBF who have gone through unprecedented times, such as due to, due to the, the past few months, and some of us might even go through in the next coming months. You know, I do not personally want to list out any kind of setbacks that we might have gone through or could face that, you know, that I want to leave it to God. But can we have a few concrete reminders that we must hold on to for such a time as this, unprecedented times, times just pain, loss, delayed answers, ill health, difficulties, uncertain future decisions and similar kinds of setbacks that might be personal to each one of us. Brothers and sisters, number one, God is present and active in our personal setbacks and suffering. If we knew the kind of setbacks and suffering that we might go through, but never want to even go there, but God is present. God wants to bless us. God is, is constantly longing for us to know him. But the good that God allows us to go through such setbacks and suffering is for our own transformation and spiritual maturity. Not that we initially desire for all of that, but God has a way of transforming us. God defines good the best way, brothers and sisters, and we cannot define what is good for us the best way. God is constantly at work in our lives to mature us as a prized possession mentioned in James 1, 17 to 18. It says that whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from our Father in heaven, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all his creation, became his prized possession. Remember, brothers and sisters, God is active as always, even in the midst of setbacks in our lives. The second reminder, God initiates spiritual growth and revival in times of setbacks. You know, the highest dream we could desire is to know and actually experience God, right, during times of justice. And sometimes God dreams that we would know him more, but such maybe during these times of setbacks, we sometimes draw away from God, his word. We stop believing his word and his promises. We stop believing that the community or the local church or the believers around us cannot build us back, cannot encourage us during these times of setbacks. Sometimes we don't believe in the deepest level that God believes in us and he invests into our lives so much more deeper. In fact, we invest our passions into lesser dreams. And sometimes God allows our dreams to be shattered. Through his Holy Spirit, you know, he awakens our deepest desires to know him back through our shattered, shattered dreams. And he wants us to know him all the more. Brothers and sisters, please understand that our shattered dreams is God's larger way of, of weaving the tapestry where his glory is revealed. 
you know, Brother Philippians when in his book, uh, Where is God When It Hurts, right? That God works through pain of shattered dreams to our higher dreams of God and the joy of finding him. So the third thing is God's sovereign in every detail of our life, and it is perfectly timed. God is sovereign. In fact, there's close to 300 times in the Bible it says, Sovereign Lord. Nothing can slow or stop God, including, including a worldwide pandemic or so-called worldly or personal setbacks that we might go through. Our setbacks, our pain, our losses, nothing can stop God. He will accomplish anything and everything in our lives for our own good. And sometimes we don't know what is good for us, but God knows what is good for us. You know, he times his will for us so that no man would boast, so that you and me will accomplish his will, not through our own abilities or assess self-righteousness, but just by his grace and his mercy. The fourth um, reminder is that God has given us a perfect example in the Lord Jesus to endure the setbacks we face. The perfect example, Hezekiah. There are many points in Hezekiah's life that points us to the Lord Jesus himself. Yes, you know, when the first three setbacks, Hezekiah went to God and, and, and he, he obediently followed the will of his, of will of Yahweh. But in the last two setbacks, over his life, and also the treaty that he made with the Babylonian boy. You know, it says, as, we, as, we, as I shared before, that when he knew that he had to put his house in order, he was going to die, he turned his face to the wall and he bitterly wept. He could not accept that. But there's one... There's one person that we know in all of scripture and in all of eternity and the, and the person that we call a Messiah, our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, he has endured all setbacks ever put before him. You know, Satan would have thought, you know what, I've conquered him on the cross, but no, the cross was just an answer and to prove to the world that nothing can hold back God's plan and purposes for all of humanity. Jesus endured setbacks. He was rejected by his own. He was denied. He was betrayed by his own disciples. He was abandoned, in fact. He was deserted at the need of the hour. He called out to his father in his agony and subjected himself to the will of his father on the cross. In painful time of enduring the cross, he prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And he took the cup of suffering and he had that to its very end when he thought about you he overcame his setbacks. He overcame his setbacks in a way that his, you know, his death brought blessing into our lives. Through his death on the cross, his resurrection, his return that will happen soon. You know, we have the joy and the hope of being called his children. What, an, what a hope that we have in eternity, that one day Jesus would come. The great high priest would come. You know, our interceder would come. And, you know, our, our, our Redeemer, our Savior would come and call us home. He overcame every hurdle Satan or the world put before him and endured the cross for our sake. Hence, he is the perfect high priest who will intercede for us in times of our trials, pain, loss, and unexpected and unprecedented setbacks. You know, I just want to read from Ephesians 1, 4-7. It says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. 
He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Just as we close, just recollecting the four reminders that setbacks can become a blessing in our life and a reminder about who God is. You know, and we, you know, just want to encourage all of us, including me and my family, that we press on and we believe that, that there is a blessing in setbacks because God is present and active in our personal setbacks and suffering. Point two, God initiates spiritual growth and revival in times of setbacks. Point three, God's sovereign will in every detail of our life is perfectly timed by him. Point four, God has given us a perfect example in the Lord Jesus to endure the setbacks we face. Brothers and sisters, hope that the message today would help us reflect. Maybe many of us are going through such kind of thoughts, journeys. Um, maybe we cannot define the setbacks even as a matter of prayer because it's very personal. But I encourage us all to go back to the Lord. Be faithful. Love the Lord, the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, even during times of setbacks and difficulty. With that, I would close with a word of prayer and would encourage us um, to live victoriously during these times of difficulties too. I just want to encourage us that God is active, even to this day, in the midst of all, He is active in our lives even to the setbacks that we face. Right after I pray, you know, I would just be sharing a bit about, what, you know, the update of NLCI so that you can pray for the missionaries of NLC and the work that is happening in the Bible Translation space. Can we just close our eyes and just reflect on the message that we heard today? And I'll just pray and close. Father, we want to thank you that you're a God who is victorious, Lord. You don't see pain or loss or difficulties or setbacks in our life as something, Lord, that you've allowed us to go through so that you enjoy us going through these difficulties. But Lord, you have a way of bringing your glory to pass, Lord, through all of this, we thank you, Lord, that you do not abandon us in our times of difficulties, in our pain and in our losses, Lord. You are with us, Lord, that you are sovereign, Lord. That, Lord, in, in, in all of this, that you've given us a perfect example of the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, Lord, who's gone through all such difficulties and yet, Lord, who subjected himself to the will of the Father to bear the cross for us, Lord, to, to, take, to take our sin and our shame and to die for us so that we would be set free. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us from the life of Hezekiah, Lord, that in spite of his setbacks, in the initial years of his life, that he turned to God. Protect us, Lord, that when you answer us in our times of setbacks, and when there is a blessing that is given to us as an answer during these times, Lord, that we would not boast in those answers, Lord, or not hold on to those blessings, Lord. And Father, we pray that such blessings will never be a setback in our life all over again, Lord. Help us to guard our hearts. Help us to subject our will to yours, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayer. We pray for many of our loved ones in our church and even extended families and friends and loved ones, Lord, who might be going through these journeys, Lord. We pray that we would continue to encourage 
them from your work and helping each one of us to rely on you and to trust in us during such times. We bless your name. We look forward for your return. Oh Lord, we will look forward, Lord, when we will see you face to face, the author and the finisher of our faith has overcome every difficulty and every setback that was that the world had put in your way. Yet you obeyed the will of the Father so that we would be set free. Bless your name. And we thank you for your work. In Jesus Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, um, would also like to you know, share with you um, for prayer um, as to uh, how the NLC ministry has been going um, in the past few months. Um, it's not been an easy year for us, yet we thank the Lord that it's not been easy because um, we've seen God at work. We've experienced Him at work. And, you know, to see of what God is capable of is something that... Um, that we would never be able to do it at this point of time. You know, our vision is, as a ministry, our vision is um, God's word in every language community actively transforming our lives. Every language community in India should have the word of the Lord in their own heart language. And, and having the word of the Lord leads to discipleship, leads to transformation of lives, and that is our greatest vision for NLCI. Um, in spite of everything that has happened in the last few months, you know, we as a ministry got together for prayer. Every Friday we spend time in prayer and asking the Lord for counsel and for direction. Um, and, you know, we didn't expect how God would bless us um, this year, but uh, we've already been able to dedicate the Kinaudi New Testament that happened three weeks back and God willing before uh, December 2020, if it is in his will and if his return is not delayed, we will be dedicating another four New Testaments. Um, we've got three New Testaments from Rajasthan that will be dedicated, God willing, before the end of the year. It's called the Shekhavati New Testament, the Dundari New Testament and the Marwadi New Testament. Apart from this three, we are also hoping that from Karnataka, we would have the Tulu New Testament to be dedicated. So hopefully five New Testaments will be, um, will be dedicated before the year of the end. Amazing ways, right, of how God can, you know, nothing can stop His work. Nothing can stop His word from reaching out um, to people. And we rejoice over that. You know, we do not know how the, 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 the next year, one year, you know, along with all of us, will look like. Um, but God willing, we're looking forward for nine New Testaments to be dedicated in 2021. One of the things that you can keep us in prayer is the, um, the right people, um, committed missionaries who can be part of this journey, the resources for it, um, so that these New Testaments can, can be given to the community uh, as we've decided and put it before the Lord. Um, and yes, there are resources of every kind that is needed, but yet God will faithfully lead us. And we will not hope, um, you know, in anything else, but just trust in him to provide the resources that is needed for the next year. Two initiatives that we're thinking about is a Crescent Community, 
um, the uh, the Muslim community, and they're close to 17 crore unengaged um, Muslim um, uh, um, people uh, groups, um, people in 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 India, and we've been praying as to how the Lord wants us to minister among the Crescent community. That is one matter that you can remember. And pray. Second is about we're also studying about the Buddhist community in India. It's a very difficult community to reach out to. Yet we pray that God would open the right doors in both the Crescent communities and the Buddhist community so that we can do what is needed um, and encourage churches to be part of this journey so that we can reach them with the word of God. Um, pray that um, pray for um, uh, pray for NLC as a ministry that we will continue to remain focused on what God has asked us to do. Pray for our missionaries. Um, pray for the children of our missionaries. We've had this year a difficult time where one of our missionaries lost their eight-year-old son due to a sickness. Um, um, but we thank God that uh, that he is with him. He's with the Lord in, in heaven. And Ramsam, our dear missionary, and his wife will see him when the Lord returns and see him face to face in the Lord's appointed time. Um, also increase the church, CBF, and, the, and, and, and many of our loved ones in CBF to be actively involved in prayer and also to support uh, the translation needs in India. These are some of the updates that I would like to share uh, from uh, the NLCF family. Continue to keep us in prayer. Um, encourage us to press on, um, not get tired, but continue to push on so that the word of God would be available in every language community. So that having the word of God, dear brothers and sisters, that their lives would be transformed. I would encourage a brother who closes in prayer um, to keep these matters in prayer and pray for the ministry of NLCA. May um, um, may God bless the study of the word that we had. Uh, and also may the Lord bless the work that uh, we are all involved in in different ways as we extend his kingdom. But please do continue to keep NLCA as a ministry in prayer and we would fulfill what God has asked us to do during these days and during these unprecedented times. May the Lord richly bless us.